0: So hi Alexis, what uh, what I found recently is a black shirt with uh, Java minus minus jar .jar. glassfishjar and I remembered the event. It was uh, I think Community One or I think it was Community One, and I couldn't understand that because again, what's going on here with Glassfish? It is already small enough, and now it's like uh, something has to be optimized, and I couldn't get it. So we have a chat, and then I remember you actually that you distributed the t-shirts. And Mm -hmm. then the next time, what I remember then is I I met you first time at Java 1, and it was like you came to me and gave me something, a gift, and I didn't knew you at all. I was just, I blocked something about Glassfish, what I used at my work, and you were, I think, the community manager, right?
1: Right. I mean, the term uh, doesn't sound awesome nowadays because community manager is used for many different things. But yeah, I I was part of the engineering team, and I was kind of... uh, the out, outbound face of it, uh, working with managers internally and, and, yeah, with the community externally. Uh, a lot of people call it developer relations nowadays, but that was pretty much it, yep.
0: Ah, okay. So developer relations is the community man- manager, right?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, people can, you know, it's like even developer manager, uh, I'm sorry, developer advocate versus evangelist. That's that's a long conversation all, all by its own. So, um, okay. It's, it's the same kind of uh, thing. But, yeah, uh, I remember that T-shirt very well. Yeah, Java, Glassfish uh, was a big part of my life for a number of years.
0: Yeah. And um, what I did, I looked you up at LinkedIn, and I found out that you started at Sun, and then you were like a uh, pre-sales manager. And what I didn't um, expect it, so what, what I thought, you are a developer. So now uh, the question after all these years, um, can you actually write Java code?
1: <laughs> um, you know, I, I try to keep up with all the things uh, that, that have uh, appeared in Java recently, but I, I joined Google six years ago, and uh, it wasn't specifically to, to to keep writing Java code. that was that was more uh, it was important for me to be part of a community so I can relate to other communities, and, and joining Google. I, I got to meet and, and work with the Android community, with the Python community, with the Go community. So that helped me quite a bit. I did start writing less Java code. I'm trying to get back to it, to be honest. Um, I, I still think of myself as a developer. Whether that's true or not uh, remains to be seen.
0: So this is this, this is actually interesting because uh, regarding to your resume, you are not a developer. So there is like, uh, so uh, are you a coder or not? So uh, you understand code and you can code, right?
1: Yes. So this is yeah. what I remember.
0: This is what I remember because yeah. I, I saw your you know LinkedIn uh resume and this was like the, you are pre-sales manager and it's like yeah, okay but as I remember you understand the code well and you attended my sessions and gave me feedback so it's like strange
1: no well so I mean all, all of my life I've, I've been all of my career I've been talking to developers and and if you want to talk to developers you need to speak their language and um, it's even better if you're one of them um so I, I try to be one of them. Uh, I try to be a developer myself. Yes, I can code. I, I would typically not do a presentation without a demo because i can and showing code, not just clicking buttons. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, the short answer is yes. Okay, um, well then, then but then I can but, ask
0: you the question, you know, my usual question. Uh, what is your first Hello World? When was it and what was it?
1: Oh, my first Hello World was... Not a hello world. Back in the days I was uh my my dad had bought a Texas instrument uh A4 4A something. I forgot to be honest. It was it was kind of a gaming device, but you could also program in basic and the first thing I did was draw a circle on the screen. Wow. That was first hello world. Yeah. Uh I don't know if it, it qualifies as trigonometry, but um it was it was it was a lot of fun. I spent a lot of time on on that machine.
0: How old how old were you?
1: Um this was it was I don't know, 10? Wow. Something like that.
0: So I was 12, I got ZX Spectrum and my first line of code was rem and I thought <laughs> something happened. And RAM in basic was like uh, the comment. You remember yeah,
1: that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I wrote really? lots of
0: RAM and nothing happened. And I really became angry. And the problem was I couldn't understand the manual. Was It was in French for unknown reasons. So I only had the source code, but I couldn't write, you know, what's what's supposed to do. So I remember spending the whole day writing RAMs. And, uh, and then I got the idea what's programming about is just writing RAMs. And then you can have animations on the screen or something like this. And then, uh, yeah, then I... Then I think I didn't even have Hello World. So um, after I, I was a programmer, I found out that Hello World is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I had no idea what Hello World yeah. was. But the I circle had? is sophisticated. was basic. There was not even a graphic. So this is actually interesting. So I think it was the calculator, right? The Texas Instruments.
1: Uh, that's what they had. But mine was like a, a real uh, computer. I mean, it had a real okay. keyboard and it had cartridge cartridges. And I would record or save my programs on tape. Okay, yeah, yeah. This
0: is what I did as as well with uh, with. Okay, and then Java. Yes. When when oh
1: that's still your... that's still a big part of my life. I mean, the, I'm just back from DevOps, which is this big conference in Europe for for Java, as, as you probably know. Um, I started Java uh, right out of out of school. I got an internship with. Uh, the French National Space Agency. Um, I was supposed to write, um, rewrite a prologue um, application uh, in Java as an applet, of all things, running in Netscape, whatever the version was at the time. Um, and nobody knew Java. It was like, they, they're, they're like, how about we have an intern work on it and present his findings? Maybe it's something interesting. So I, I did that for a good number of months. Like, Five or six, and I, I really loved it. I found it really interesting. This was my my really first experience uh, with a uh, object oriented programming language. Um, before that, I, I, I had done in school uh, a lot of uh, Fortran, C, uh, Pascal, um, and and Java. Really, it was a lot of things. I mean, it was the internet. It was object oriented programming. It was user interfaces. You know, it was AWT back in the days. But it it actually kind of worked um, especially within athletes the kinda is important um, but that was that was really very exciting and of all things then I I went to um, to do a master's degree in California uh, for a year and and coming back I got a job working at Sun Microsystems uh, which which was a dream job for me really I mean that was like if you if you could do that, that's not really work. I mean, it's it's like using something you you love and and writing programs. Um, I did a lot of UI development in the early days, uh, Swing, in the early days. Uh, had a lot of fun with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that interesting. So what interests me? W- what the applet was about. So what was on the screen after months of working? So what you did with the applet? So what was the functionality?
1: Oh, okay. So it was uh, something that was uh, about calculating uh, MTTR, uh, meantime to recovery and, and TBF, uh, meantime uh, between failure of components. Mm-hmm. So on the screen, I had the ability to wire components together. And oh. based on how they were wired, I would come up with those numbers. It is uh,
0: pretty sophisticated, actually.
1: Um, yes and no. I mean, if I look at how much I achieved in... In, in five months, I, I spent more time playing with Java, understanding it and learning it than, than actually writing the code. Uh, but it was, it was an amazing experience. I, I really loved it. Um, I don't know if the, the, the organization there started using Java really after I left, uh, but at least I, I gave them a sense of what it was. And that's, I guess, what they were looking for
0: still amazing uh i know actually projects which talk for five months and nothing come out you know so they're like <laughs> just talking so <laughs> you were well, I, had,
1: I had to present something you know that was i was my 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 degree was on the line you know
0: okay and um how sun approached you
1: um actually i started as so sun was starting what they called a java center of excellence or something like that you know um Sun invented Java, and then you know how it works. Somebody invents something, and, and the rest of the company doesn't really realize um, the potential of it. And eventually customers ask, start asking, you know, this Java thing. Can you can you help me with this? And and locally, I mean by that, not in California, but everywhere else in the world, customers started asking Sun for expertise. And they had none. I mean, Sun is a hardware company, was a hardware company. I would say I would argue until the end, um, and but they're like, "Hey, we have professional services, and people are asking us not for Solaris installs or upgrades or whatever, but for Java expertise. Maybe we should start, uh, you know, a team doing that." So that's what I join. Um, and um, but how they found you? How, how did that happen? Um, it's always interesting to know. I think I think actually this this started uh, through a small company that was. Um, providing uh, Sun locally here in, in France um, with system and ad- administrators. And, and they advertised a job. So my first job was as a contractor uh, through that small company. And I found that the, the, the company that was advertising, they were working with Sun. And I don't think they even mentioned Java, but I don't, I don't actually really okay. remember the whole thing. But Sun to me was Java soft, Sun. By the way, amazing interview with with Scott. I listened okay. to it. Last week. I I loved it. It was it was just you know so many things I could relate to. Anyways, uh-huh. um, um, yeah, Sun, JavaSoft that was like a, a dream company to me. Uh, there weren't that many. Maybe IBM at the time was still very high up on the list for me.
0: Uh, uh, regarding the interview with Scott, yeah, I asked Scott several times how is this possible because uh, to me he was like he's a really businessman. You, you heard about that, right? Yeah. But he, he had the unique. Uh, I would say, uh, the the unique way of predicting the future.
1: You know, he's a he's a hockey player, so he goes where the puck is.
0: Yeah, but uh, I mean, but it it was either it was you know lucky accident or something. But he, what uh, it was for me is like he exactly knew you know the next step is this and this, and he predicted the iPod. And the the only theory I have is we as developers, we are we really usually glad what works right now so if we get an ipod we are really excited about that it's like wow well, you can play music and for him was an ipod just a thing and say okay what is the next thing i think this is the only explanation i have
1: yeah i mean he he was uh i think he has a lot of going for him you know he's he's he un- he understands he can talk to developers developers trust him that's the key thing right also is like you can you can try to be curious about what comes next, try to understand. But for that, you need to be able to talk to people who actually get the technology and and earn their trust. And And he he, took, he was very well respected um, yeah. among the community of, of engineers, which, you know, we thought of him as an engineer, really. I, I know he was driving the company, but um, he was just a nice guy and, and, and smart.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, I really l- liked his keynotes, so they were just amazing. So it was always fun with him.
1: Oh, yeah, 10 reasons why.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I exactly remember that. And um, uh, perfect. So uh, two questions What I forgot to ask you. You remember the first Java version you worked with, the applets?
1: Yeah. Um... So it was whatever was actually. I had um, I had a JDK one yes. dot mm-hmm. um, installed locally, and there was something else bundled in Netscape, uh, which which was the beginning for me of the uh, you know run run once uh, write once run anywhere uh, doesn't always deliver. Uh, you know we need to be careful with that uh, promise. Um, I, I forgot what version it was, but it was not the one I had uh, when, when developing.
0: I, I changed, mm-hmm. actually, the slogan. It's on my slides. Learn once, never migrate.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this works.
1: Yeah. Um, I remember the tools I used back then. I know, uh, was it JBuilder or something like that? It J was, was
0: later, but JBuilder was great. And there was Java Studio Workshop was the first IDE?
1: Oh, that's I remember that. It had shadow classes. It had this horrible generated classes that made the app like 10, 10x what it should be.
0: Yeah, but uh, the UI was nice for oh, yeah, yeah. for, for yeah. that time. Wow. So I was fascinated by, by it. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, Java Studio Workshop was the uh, Java Beans connecting stuff, which is uh, right. really amazing. Um, well,
1: there were, there were no Java Beans back in the days. So, you know, that came later. Yeah. Um, so,
0: Okay, cool. So you joined in Sun, and uh, when was it?
1: So this was 1998.
0: Wow! So you were one of the first. So I did an interview with Josh, Mar- Josh Marinacci. It was ex- uh, oh, yeah. the same, the same, the same uh, year, I would say. So, um, so you were one of the first uh, Sun employees in the USA, right, or in France.
1: No, I was I was uh, I always worked in France. I've I've always been based here. May travel quite a bit to the US uh, quite often, but I was always based here. So uh, I was probably one of the first ones doing Java, certainly here in France. So, and you were um,
0: like uh, advocate, evangelist, or developer?
1: Relations? Uh, no, so in the early days, I was with what we call a pre-sales person. So I was working with customers. So I I, I alternated with between two jobs. One was professional services, actually going and writing software for customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pre-sales, which is everything that happens before you actually make a sale, and there were, these were projects where it involved software, which was clearly Java and hardware, and and why trying to make the case that uh, Java on Solaris um, was was the best solution, and working with partners uh, uh, such as BA or even IBM at some sometimes um, make the case that this is the best you know stack for the customers back in the days.
0: Hey, cool so you were a service side then right Mainly on service
1: yeah uh service yeah and server yeah server. never really did a lot of uh mobile or any, anything like that so you started I, I with
0: java java sun java server what is jws java web server you started with um, that
1: um yeah i don't think any customers any customer actually used that um you know that was uh, that was early days because then soon soon enough we had the Sun Netscape Alliance with all the Netscape suite of products. Mm-hmm. So the Netscape Web Server Enterprise Server, whatever it was called, um, was really a, an, an amazing product, and it came with a really good JVM embedded with a servlet container. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember that part way okay. more than, than I used JWS,
0: which is the predecessor of, for strange reason, of IBM WebSphere. So I attended one year later the uh, conference in Germany is uh, systems was called and IBM presented the uh, the uh, Websphere the first edition and look exactly the same uh, like the J- JWS, no, it's a little bit ex- more expensive. <laughs> so the Sun <laughs> version was four hundred dollars, I remember, because I paid by myself, and the other one was five k. It was. It would be interesting to find out what is the story behind, because I, I, I this was like crazy. It's like why it looks identical, the same applet was just red, and the Sun was I forgot the the color, but it was applet management, and I used that in production actually in many projects, and um, the unique. I don't know whether you know but the uh, netscape server supported server side javascript.
1: Oh yeah yeah, Livewire.
0: Uh I d- I, I don't know the the name of it, but it was javascript server side javascript. Not, not yeah, def- yeah, I know
1: it's it's like Node before V8. Yeah. Um, and was, now was- the funny
0: story. I got a contract, a larger one, uh, to migrate a uh, server side javascript to java. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was around I would say 2004. Because uh, the cl- uh, they, the company claimed uh, no one would like to have JavaScript on the server, and they will never never able to 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 sell the product. It works, it's fine, but they really have to use Java. And we migrated. Uh, I think I helped them to migrate. I teach them Java first, and then we did some proof of concepts, and mm-hmm. then they achieved to migrate to Java. And I don't know whether they are happy right now, but uh, <laughs> but uh, this was uh, this is actually really funny. So Sun was. Or Sun Netscape, they were way ahead of time, if you think about this. And um, you know, the history repeats.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And and what a silly idea to be to to run you know JavaScript on the server side, right? Yeah, was, yeah. No, nobody it would, would do it.
0: Developers don't like it, right? <laughs> 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 okay, uh, cool. Uh, so you did the Netscape stuff, and Netscape was uh, renamed to iPlanet, right?
1: Yeah, it was, it was a joint venture between AOL and Sun, and, and uh, AOL? I was not part of that joint venture. I was on the Sun side. It was a bit more complicated, but clearly we didn't have middleware other than this privileged partner we were working with, which was iPlanet, yes, as you say, uh, which had, you know, everything from web server to app server to a lot of uh, identity products, LDAP servers and SSO and and so forth. I uh, spent quite a bit of time working with them and and... Working with customers, um, it was it wasn't the best experience from an app server Java perspective because iPlanet app server wasn't exactly um, the most popular one, uh, but it was a good learning experience.
0: Okay, and and then what happened then? So you, you spent time with iPlanet. The next one was
1: oh, and then so the next thing was uh, I actually you know was a bit frustrated that uh, again iPlanet app server was not the best one or or even close to being the best one. Um, So when we decided at Sun that we would uh, make a production version of our reference implementation and call it Glassfish, I was like super excited. And I actually knew people on the team. So I I knew it was coming. I knew it would actually have legs. Um, And I joined the team eventually after a few months of, of the thing, you know, being live. Uh, worked with amazing people there, and that's where you know, we probably met. Uh, and I had this um, initially um, it, you know, evangelist maybe role or, or community manager. You know, I don't pay too much attention to titles, but um, essentially, yes, this is working with communities, showing them what we have, taking feedback in, going back to the, the engineering team and, and you know, um, trying to, uh, to make the product better and then have that virtuous uh, circle going.
0: Yeah, for me it was like a startup inside Sun. Your team, that was yeah, a- it was
1: it was great. It was great because um, um, we we were to something. Uh, we we achieved quite a few things. Uh, the, 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 you know to go back to the your initial question on Java uh, dash jar Glassfish, um, that was my demo, and it blew a few people's minds because the thing would actually start faster than Tomcat uh, back in the days. That was like. Folks had never seen that. Um, it had a modular architecture, so this is this is really funny because now H-K-2, we have HK2, right? Yeah, uh, HK2. Yeah, yeah. And this um, was written by Jerome, I think, yeah, right? This is also Jerome a French guy. guy. So was
0: it like the core Glassfish was developed in, in France or by uh, French developers?
1: Yeah, there was a, there was a French connection, connection there, uh, okay. but no, m- most of it was developed in in Santa Clara. Um, okay. Yeah, um, there were a few French folks or French francophones, actually. Before and, you uh,
0: proceed with the Java minus jar, w- what I thought is that the GlassFish was initially based on s- how it's called, Sun1 server, but you not the reference implementation.
1: And no, is- this, is, this, is, this is really the reference implementation that we had to ship as part of, um, you know, uh, as you know, at least back in the days, um, a specification was not enough. You need a TCK and a reference implementation. And the reference implementation, most of the time, was not production quality. It was like just implementing barely the spec. Yeah, um, it
0: was terrible. So I actually used that. It was like Swing application, even where you can, yep. you know, uh, deploy oh, yeah. from that. I used that um, in the in the Sun trainings. Yeah. Okay.
1: So. So I mean, I don't know how much was actually reused. Mm-hmm. Um, because HK2 was something new. Clearly, there was no modularity in the thing you, you're talking about, that swing UI where it would take forever to build a WAR or NIR file and spit yeah. it out and deploy it. Um, you know, you, I remember trying to dance around the five-minute deploy time locally uh-huh. um, while presenting this to customers. So, um um, a lot was re- rewritten, but it was the same team, basically, that was like, look, we did it once. How about we do it again? Only this time the goal is to make something that's production quality and, cl- of course, open source. And open source, you know, a lot of people remember Sun for being you know, an open source champion, but at the time it was still kind of new. And and building a community is not just about throwing code over the wall. And, and there was no GitHub at the time, so it was Java.net. And, and having the code there is not enough. You need to... To engage people, you need to have a, you know, it's, license is one thing, um, the whole um, IP, and the governance is another. Um, and, and you need to be clear about how you run your project. And that was part of my job also with uh, a number of other people.
0: Yeah. Um, what you achieved back then is, uh, is what's quite actually amazing still uh, because of your evangelism or of your team's evangelism the uh, glassfish is still one of the most popular in Europe. So uh, because mm-hmm. um, then a uh, white flight caught a little bit up, but now payara guys are doing a great work with uh, with glassfish. And mm-hmm. because of the very smart combination with microprofile, it takes off again. So it's like, uh, this is like, but this was based, you know, on the early, I was like 2007, right? This was the time frame where there will be the the, the alien glassfish, I would say.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I think we moved the the industry in in a sense. Like JBoss was our competitor. We saw them as a the competitor, not really WebLogic and and WebSphere, and and they had some modularity going on, but it was not as elegant, I would say, as GlassFish. Certainly, would not uh, have all the lazy loading features and and fast startup and only start what you need type of approach. Mm-hmm. Um eventually they got there they 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 did a lot of things that we had done so and, and that's good i mean that's that's how the industry works you you move the needle and then people start using Glassfish but other people competitors notice take notice and you know what they say about you know uh, imitation so um i like um i like that we uh we push a lot of people to to evolve yeah. and I, yeah i mean the whole micro profile the whole smaller footprint um You know, cloud friendly approaches um, are are nice. I remember actually delivering a presentation on GlassFish, which was how you can build your own GlassFish. You know, forget about Java EE. How can you just take your only the modules that you need? So you make it really small. So maybe you can use it in embedded systems, for example. Um, And, you know, that that didn't resonate too well at the time, but um, at least the technology was there. I've always been fascinated by modularity. Uh, I think that started with, um, with NetBeans actually. Um, for the longest time, NetBeans to me was just an idea, a, a really good one, which I still use from time to time. Um, but then a, a, um, a bank here called me saying, we would like some consulting on NetBeans. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like show you where to click? Like, seriously. Um, they're like, no, 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 you don't get it. Um, netbeans as as a ui platform uh, and this is where i discovered netbeans platform uh, which the idea is based on and which has really nice concepts when it comes to modularity and and i got to meet the the team in prague that built this i actually i had no idea how to help that customer so i i flew those people in from prague so um so yarda trung um really great people that had built this thing and and really taught me a really good lesson on modularity. And, and um, that helped me with the whole, you know, modularity in, um, with with HK2, with OSGI, with Java modularity. Um, it, it kind of was the foundation for me to understand everything that was to come.
0: And this is the modularity. This is one of the view contention points between uh, the GlassFish team and, and my point of view. Because uh, for me, modularity uh, was, you know, OSGI, I associated OSGI, uh, Eclipse. And this is, OSGI is not always, uh, OSGI, um, modularity is not always good or great for developer experience. And uh, as GlassFish V2 was uh, monolithic a little bit and GlassFish V3 was uh, modular, but the point was uh, the first version of GlassFish v3 started actually s- slower because he had find you know all the plugins which have to be booted if you needed the full profile and GlassFish v2 was faster. And in my projects I always needed almost everything, so it was never worth to optimize. And it's still the case. So uh, this is actually the same story as ten years ago. So people ask me why you're not using Payara Micro, and say because there is not real dif- difference. It's not like you know. To uh, shave off uh, five megs, it is worth you know the risk to run your unique snowflake, and yep. um, and um, that is interesting. I think why are still using Java E and the application servers is just because developer experience. I don't have to optimize. Yeah, I download one thing and I can from the first minute focus on business logic. I'm not that interested in optimization. I only optimize if I have to and uh what you are talking about that uh, the glassfish uh, was able to be run highly optimal which i think is very important for glassfish developers and shouldn't be at all important for glassfish users like like i was so uh, i remember your team was excited came to me we have plugins okay phew. Who cares, right? Because I still will use, you know, uh Jaxres and 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 CDI and, and EJB. I, I I need almost everything. So all plugins have to be booted, whether uh, they are booted, you know, sequentially or all at one on a three manner. I actually don't care.
1: Right, right. I think I think you're right. Um, to some extent, we were excited because to us it was a, a, an architectural choice that made the the product and and. Um, the the code base uh, future proof. Yeah. So we we could evolve much faster, um, include new features and 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 the the trend was still to go to somewhat lighter weight. We still had you know the Tomcats and the Jetties of the world as somewhat competition. And we wanted to be able to compete with them for those that did have those needs. I mean, you you clearly use Java EE containers. Um other folks were using barely servlets, and you know, there's this whole trend of using Netty and not even using the servlet API nowadays. And 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 Glassfish for that. I mean, the choices made back then, which is what um, was 10 years ago, um, still apply. Yeah. So you're right; it's it's more on the implementation. Side uh, and you shouldn't have to care too much. Um, yeah, uh, d- you-, you
0: said that I'm running Java e containers, but the reason is what I saw, what, what actually lots of projects were uh, happened the following. Uh, the, I, I think it was called lightweight runtimes or whatever back then. And people run uh, Tomcat usually in Europe, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes Netty, uh, Jetty, sorry, uh, not Netty. And um, they were really happy about uh, having thin runtime on the server. And what they shipped was like in one in one project in Switzerland, 500 makes war. So and for me it was crazy. It's like what you are doing is not lightweight at all. Why are you not making your server bigger, and your uh, deployable smaller? Because I have to build, you know, 50 times a day, and I build the server only once. So for me, I never got it. Why someone is really interested in having, you know, small runtimes? And and with the trade off of building a huge thing and 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 uh, how it's called UberJar, jar fat jar and back then we had don't know, fed wars, and they spend all the time uh, daily and they're really proud of small servers.
1: Right. So I think one of the use cases for that was testing, um, where you could test with a single command line. Yeah, you would say java dash jar dash jar glassfish jar and your war and And you know that would start the runtime, and then you could start exercising it with tests. Uh-huh. Um, people took it farther and and you know put this in production. Um, no, I agree I mean, I mean, if you look at what's going on nowadays with serverless, you know it's like give me your code, please don't and and limit the number of dependencies you have in terms of modules and jars and everything, no matter what language you use. Because otherwise, this will have an impact and those cold startup times uh, will hit you. Um, so, so eventually, I think people are getting the whole, you know, if you focus on code, really do focus on code, not on the runtime. Um, uh, but, but, I mean, Spring, having had the, the, the success that it had, uh, a lot of people are still into fat jars. Um, um, like,
0: there's a funny, funny, there was another conference, uh, I think in September, October in Germany jcon and mm-hmm. i just uh i got the keynote which is uh, a little bit dangerous giving me a t- t- keynote because i coded uh, again and uh, what i did then i uh, started their uh OpenShift like a private cloud and shipped some containers and scaled them and people were amazed they came to me and say what you did what was it why it was it so fast it's like, i don't know what you are talking about it's just stock full profile java e and it always did fast and they say and what was it i say yeah, docker and and openshift a little bit kubernetes and and, and i mean wrapped in a nicer uh, package but it, uh, behind the scene there's ha proxy kubernetes and docker and it was whitefly back then and they say because in our case it takes forever, we have to build a jar and it scans everything. So I, get, I don't. They ask me why they are using Uber jars. Like I have no idea why you are using Uber jar, right? And this mm-hmm. is like uh, funny stuff. So uh, it seems like now that the Java E is uh, very fast and thin, and the if you build the Uber jars, you end up having shipping you know the whole runtime over and over again. And yeah. uh, therefore, uh, I had also interesting conversation with uh, the. Um, Swarm guys, the ThornTail tail, at Java one, a uh, code one, right now, and they attended my uh, uh, session and said and told them, I don't see the point. I don't know any project who is interested in building, you know, the runtime 50 times a day and shipping one jar. I mean, we have Docker. Who cares? You know how the command looks yeah. like in a Docker?
1: This I was going. Just, to and no thing. one,
0: yeah. no one cares about that, and they couldn't tell me, you know, what is the killer use case. And if there is no killer use case, I'm absolutely not interested in it. Right. We had the same conversation with Pyara Micro and Steve Millich. He told me, yeah, oh, they have it, but it's actually, there is no difference.
1: Right. So I think Docker changed drastically uh, the conversation. And and you're right. I mean, we now have a packaging mechanism. It's called Docker, you know, Docker file. You And there are ways to write it. So we take better advantage of, of the caching that, that there is. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think... You know, each tool should do what it's really good at. Um, so you might have dependencies. I mean, the whole problem with modularity is dependencies. Sometimes you're like, I like having dependencies because that's code I don't have to maintain or write. Uh, but then you do have to manage those dependencies. And you might carry along a lot of stuff that you don't really know, understand, I'm not sure how it's going to evolve. So sometimes you might have been better off not having those dependencies and maybe rewriting the small portion that you really needed. Um, uh, the, well, this is where people like you come into play. It's like you take a a deep breath and look at this from a, you know, an external point of view. Like you're not tainted by the history and the legacy and the cruft that, that accumulated over the years in a, an organization or on a project. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's... Um, Technical debt uh, that you look at and that others can't see, uh, but no, there's that. That's something. That's an exercise. That uh, what I think to... is
0: is the um, my way of thinking is like uh, it it leads to boring projects because uh, you get everything and you are done. So even you know, pom, Maven pom is trivial. Uh, you don't have to care about anything. You have to you have to start with. With coding, and this even disturbs some enterprise projects because even the business department is not uh, is not ready to deliver the use cases actually from the day one. So uh, even there, they, they would like to have you know some some warm up, but we don't need any warm up anymore. So mm-hmm. we can deliver quickly. And what developer actually love, I saw it at the DevOps yesterday, is like some uh, some new framework which does a little bit more something differently, and they love it because uh yeah because it's more fun. And um I think this is the problem, right? So if you have a major technology no one is interested in it, it is a far better to invent a new language which is uh, half as robust as the old one just to make the research again.
1: Right. Well, yeah, think- you may be right. I mean we 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 keep reinventing the wheel, but the wheel is is slightly different every time. Um yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Like langu- languages are all different. And I learned a lot from, you know, I, I thought by working at Sun, I, I was like at the center of the earth. Like I would see all the partners, all the software vendors, all the, you know, and there was this phase where we started talking about Ruby being the next great thing. And then, and And I thought I knew of a lot of different developers and communities and everything, and when I joined Google, uh, I realized that I really didn't you know the the whole web community is is just different. Um, the go community is different, the Python community is different um, like i was i was I was seeing how you know the web community was just discovering this was twenty twelve um continuous integration. they were like to to us. And having worked with kosuke who started um uh, jenkins uh we're on the same team he was on the glassfish team to me it was like gee you're you're just seeing the light now um but yeah i mean different communities move at different pace and based on on their needs so i you know um i i don't know that uh, we're reinventing everything and everything needs to be boring i I realize we shouldn't be always reinventing everything. Um, the boring stuff actually gets is a stuff that gets you productive. Um, uh,
0: regarding Go, uh, someone asked me which uh, JVM language would I learn now if I had time. And my answer was I wouldn't learn any JVM language because why I shouldn't? should. I mean, I know Java and when I would learn something, then it's completely different, with a completely different use case. And what I mentioned is, for instance, Go. And the reason for that is t- because I could write, a you know, system tools on Linux, running on Linux very efi- efficiently and ship uh, a binary, one binary, which is uh, very compatible with my point of view, just ship one thing and uh, there is, and it runs. And this is something different, and I see clear the added value. But uh, what I get questioned is you now, could we do uh, the enterprise project with Kotlin? It's like, sure, we could. But then I get the question why we don't do it with Scala, Groovy, or whatever, and or closure. And I don't think we will ship earlier with Kotlin, you know. But with yeah. Go, the, then I see the clear the the use case. So you could, if you have different, I would say, different use cases or different challenges, then you can use complete different language, and then be more efficient from from the beginning because uh, this is complete different how to call it paradigma.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think. Uh java still is is amazingly popular but at the same time suffers from uh, a, an image of being you know enterprisey and ceremonial and and verbose uh whether that's true or not it's probably not as true as people think especially if you look at the mo- most recent versions of java i mean people still make fun of ejbs because it, there they used to be this super complex thing um, and, and, um, so, so we kind of have to fight that, uh, to, as, as a Java community to, to make sure, you know, the young folks actually understand the value of Java. So I was, it, yeah, what's surprising, it
0: young what's surprising young, young folks, um, startups, I don't know how they found me. So, uh, some startups came to me and I showed them really what I usually, so, hello world with application server and cloud deployment, you know? Mm-hmm. Say like, what is it? It's like uh, we we call it Java E or application servers, but don't look it up on 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 the internet. You will find heavyweight, whatever. Just try it. Yeah. And right. there was no single use case or single project where they said they rejected that. They used to know CDI, EGB, whatever it was uh, necessary without knowing what it actually is. So that it was that simple and it worked. It was you no know, a few lines of code, and we had the prototype. So um, and this is uh, a good testament for it, and yes, uh, yes, this was actually a nice story. Yesterday at DevOps, I delivered a talk about Jakarta EE microprofile and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, before the session, we had ten minutes, so I asked the attendees, uh, "Could you please, if you have questions, just ask now." And one attendee asked, um, "What he he has to install to follow me?" So okay, you uh, the best is to Java Eight, uh, Maven, and Pyara. And what happened is he, before the session, he installed the whole enterprise development uh, environment, ha- hacked with me. And after the session, he came to me and said, look, it doesn't work because uh, I cannot see this. And what he just did is just renamed the war to a different name. And the URI was, didn't match, right? And mm-hmm. I say, this is great. And what you are building? Are you a Spring developer? No. What is Spring? I have no idea. I was like, What are you doing? I did a little bit of Scala. And this is actually amazing, you know, that uh, an, a developer without enterprise background could hack with me, along with me, the uh, uh, a microservice during DevOps. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
0: cool. So we st- we actually covered a lot of GlassFish. And uh, oh, you, s- you mentioned something about languages. What interests me, if you can say that, what is the what is the ratio between Java and the other languages in Google Cloud, for instance? Do you have an, an idea, rough idea, so how popular Java at Google, release in the cloud.
1: Um, so we have different offerings. Uh, we have the um, we have App Engine that, that recently celebrated ten years. Um, yeah. and, and Java was not the first language; it was the second after Python. Yeah. And it remains. Um, it's probably you know, Python and Java are still up there as the top languages for for App Engine um, by by long margin. I mean, there's there's PHP, there's Go. We have Node now, uh, but Java is still very widely used. Um, I don't know what the trend is. I um, I could look it up. Um, still, still very popular. We we recently added Java eight support. So, like, recently Java eight. That's not the most recent, but that's that's where we're at. We're we're obviously looking at the future as well. Um, it's still very popular. Um, it's hard for us to cater to all the developers to make sure what we have to offer is idiomatic, uh, that we have everything built with Maven and Gradle for Java developers, uh-huh. and we have the equivalent for other languages. So it's not just keeping up with a given you know, version of uh, the VM. It, it's about integrating with you know what developers find uh, natural to use in, in their environment. Uh-huh. Uh, no, Java is still very much for App Engine. Um, very very much used. We use it in many other places, like uh, we have this big data tool, it's called um, Dataflow, which is based on an open source project called Apache Beam, mm-hmm. um, which is all about um, manipulating data uh, and, and writing a data pipeline that will work both in batch and streaming mode, and that is native Java. That was written in Java. We did the Python version after that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a lot of, like, and, of course, every tool that we have has a Java SDK to it. Um, we also have the Python Go and so forth. Uh, Java is still pretty much there. Uh, one thing we don't currently have is Java support in uh, functions, so the mm-hmm. function-as-a-service approach. Uh, we currently support Python and Node, uh, but, you know, the future might be, uh, look a bit different.
0: Yeah, uh, This and uh, can you also tell us what's the backend services? What's the implementation? You know that? Can you tell us? So what is the ratio between Java and other languages at Google?
1: Um, There's a lot of Java. Um, So if you remember, uh, when Sun shipped Java 5, um, after that, Sun lost a good number of key engineers from the Java team, and most of them went to Google. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this was the beginning. I understand I wasn't there. I was still at Sun of a lot of rewrite of um, code of uh, products you use every day uh, to Java. So the Java code base is huge at Google. Like I would say one in two products that you use has a Java backend. Um, um, I'm not sure which ones we, we we communicate about on, you know, but I mean, um, as you know, we have a single repo uh, for all the products that we have, and, and the Java code there is, is, is huge. Um, we um, have a team maintaining um, Java libraries, maintaining uh, the VMs that we use, or the VM that we use for all of this. Um, that's the same team that put out Guava and a good number of other um, frameworks uh-huh. and libraries. Um, so the Java investment uh, at, at Google is still very strong. Um, yeah, um,
0: we forgot to mention that you are working right now for Google, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you work for Sun, then briefly for Oracle.
1: Uh, yes, I went through the acquisition. I was still part of Glassfish, and and, and Glassfish because of its uh, reference implementation nature that it had kept. You know, it became a open source and and production quality, but it was still a reference implementation. Uh, we were kind of safe. I would say, although we joined a company that was selling WebLogic and that had built its entire ERP solutions on WebLogic. Um, so I stayed there for a couple of years and um, and eventually joined Google for uh, a, a role that, that was very similar to what I had before, which was uh, developer relations.
0: So how the working environments are comparable Sun and Google? Is a similar atmosphere or...?
1: Well, to start with, there there are a lot of common uh, engineers. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't have to rebuild my entire network joining when joining Google. I I actually knew some of the folks, and and you mentioned Jerome as the architect of Glassfish. He works at Google. Uh, you probably know Ludovic. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he's one of the um, the people who works on App Engine and specifically the Java part. So uh, we have a, an interesting conversation on a regular basis on on where it's all headed. Um, so a lot of similarities. Um, it's interesting because, you know, Sun was this company that was selling hardware, uh, but also doing Java and amazing stuff, but we never made a whole lot of money, uh, selling Java. Uh, that, that was interesting. And, um, and Google and cloud specifically is a little bit different in the sense that we actually have a business selling cloud and it's a very healthy business. Uh, so um, it started off as we didn't really do cloud at Google. We just had this App Engine stuff that people don't really understood because people wanted VMs, and we were telling them, "No, no, you just give us your code." And they're like, "What?" Um, and it had constraints on the things you could and could not do. That, that was similar really to cool. Lambda, right? Um, yes. A little bit. So yeah, yeah no, completely. I mean, I, I, App Engine is serverless, if you ask yeah. me. I mean, it yeah. scales to zero. Um, you pay for what you use, um, and we recently were able to lift most of the constraints. Like we used to have a white cl- white list of classes you can use, mm-hmm. and everything else you could not use. Uh, that is gone because we we rewrote the um, uh, the underlying stack and uh, the way we isolate this from from everything else. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, back to your question, Sun and, and Google have a lot in common. Um, it's 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 interesting
0: Yeah, good to know so now uh, there was an um, fluffy chat right now right so we talk about uh uh the early days of enterprise java so what we should do i think uh the idea would be let's say i have a java application glassfish and has a jaxrs endpoint so we have uh there we have uh, some request json object coming in Then we get, uh, let's say, uh, EJB, which starts the transaction but is optional. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, a couple of Java classes and then uh, JPA, which is the database. Now, uh, let's say we go crazy for unknown reasons. So let's say this CRUD is not enough in one scale. And now I would like to re-architecture this to Google Cloud. So now uh, we can... Would, I think it could be valuable, no? to 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 show the options from the architectural perspective. Sure. So, uh, in the backend, we have different. Uh, go from the data to frontend. I would say right, Bec- or mm-hmm. or what, or ju- just do the same from from the, uh, the the same flow from the beginning to the end. So we need first a component which receives HTTP requests, parses it, and yep. does something with it. What would it be in the Google Cloud?
1: Oh, that would be JAX-RS, because, uh, like, we used to have uh, something called Cloud Endpoints, which in its first version was, you know, uh, Google-specific annotations, which were very similar to JAX-RS, but you know, um, yeah, it, it was different. Um, the The latest version of Endpoints is something where you tell us what the shape of your API is. You describe it uh, typically with OpenAPI. And whatever you use as an implementation is fine. We will just, on top of that, do all the um, quality of service, the security, the logging, the monitoring, all of this. So but... Wait a
0: second. What I will ship to you, uh, Open API endpoint or Java code or what? So the, the endpoint, what is it?
1: Oh the endpoint is is Java code. It's it's Jax RS. So I could
0: uh ship a Java class annotated with path and get.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So what would be the input and output parameter? JSON object or something specific?
1: Or string, yeah. you know? It's it's really whatever you'd you'd like. And then you just give us the description in, in the form of open API. And that's how we know where to place uh, um, interception points. So we can apply security. Um, you know quotas and and all of these things.
0: This is actually interesting because then I could uh, start with Java 8. If I do this Jackson S Microprofile, we generate for me this Open API document. Yep. I can give it to you. Yep. You will generate the endpoint and mm-hmm. then call me. What I don't understand still, uh, the JSON ASCII will have to be deserialized and serialized to JSON B or JSON P or Jackson or whatever. You know what to do then. Do I get a string or stream or object? So on which on which side? Or on your side. So, I mean, uh, I have a Java code, and if I have JAXRS it returns response or a Java object, or it could be a stream. But um, let's say I played a little bit with the FN project, um, which is open source, uh, and in this particular case, if, either I return string or I will have to convert the stream to JSON object, you know, by myself. So the, the the API to the function is a stream or string. So the question, do you know how it works in your case? So um my the parameters of the jax rs are the strings, Java objects?
1: So I mean it's it's exactly as if you like this is okay, so so your JAXRS code would typically in this case run on app engine. And app yes. engine runs on Jetty. So it's it's just like a hosted Jetty that scales for you and uh oh, okay has
0: So ver- th- then i know it so uh, if it if it's uh, a jetty is it's just like uh, ju- just plain jack S. Mm-hmm. and then i can use my message body reader and writer to serialize and deserialize the objects oh absolutely yeah so so you don't have nothing built in so like json so it's like a plain uh, jack S. endpoint
1: Right, right. I, I, in this case, like we don't do much other than provide. No, it's just just to back. understand.
0: So we have source endpoint. So no problem. This uh, integration of JSON B on JSON P is easy. It is like uh, I would say twenty lines of code. So it's easy. Then I suppose there would be no dependency injection.
1: No, you can have dependency injection.
0: Why? So you, you provide it for me
1: no no, 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 you 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 bring a uh, you bring your own uh, cDI implementation
0: okay, so um also another problem, so it will, this is actually great because um <laughs> what I did, I started the whole server in a in a in a lambda function, and uh-huh. this was fast enough, so uh, with Java eight, you can actually boot cdi with two lines right. this is it, it keeps yep. I would say it takes half a second or whatever. This JAXRS is not a problem. This serialization not a problem. So I can bring my libraries with me and have add inject injection is what I need from my JAXRS using stock weld.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. We'll but this will be a little
0: bit boring. So let's say we don't like the, now the dependency injection because we will end up having, you know, application server. We could, for instance, now parse the object, call a Java class. Let's say with dependency injection, let's keep the injection there and the Java class just uh, validates the input and then passes this to a queue, let's say. Mm-hmm. What would be the queue in Google Cloud?
1: So the queue in Google Cloud is, uh, is a managed PubSub service. Managed, um, and what is it, you know? It's called PubSub. Um, is this really, it's a proprietary API? Uh, that In this case, it is, yes. Yeah,
0: um, but this is like, uh, you, you know, the the code a little bit. How it would look like, like PubSub get instance, just a single code?
1: yeah yeah it's 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 topic so you subscribe to a topic there are messages being posted you consume a message um it's it's very j m s like
0: okay so you get like a singleton manager and then you can ask for a topic and yeah. and send a string or whatever to the topic
1: exactly exactly okay. and, and the difference here is that uh the way you get to that topic is um because it's a managed and global service there is no um scoping other than the name, which is global to all of Google Cloud. So no matter what you know region, zone you're in, it's there's only one uh system. So uh it's kind of like we'll we'll get to the, the database part, but uh typically you get service. So you say something like data store get service or pops up get service. And there there are no parameters. There's no like connection string with this is my instance of it. You're talking to one instance that's global, and you get to your own data. And then there's, you know, uh, control lists that come into play in security, but the system is global.
0: Okay, so there is uh, like a DNS name, should be unique. Done. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Okay. Just like buckets in, in in storage are unique. Uniques. Um, so then uh, do
0: we have the, uh, what, how it's called the endpoint. Was the first service right? Mm-hmm. Endpoints talking to what is the Google name of the next one? Was the oh pubsub. Pubsub. Okay, then I have it in a pubsub. Can I define for instance back pressure on something like this or similar to JMS or is just infinite, you know, this topic or are um, the parameters similar? This is the question just.
1: Yeah, so in this in this case you have to get into some of the specifics of pubsub. Uh it's it's a very simple API. Um I know there's no back pressure there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really infinite.
0: And is it persistent?
1: Uh, it's not persistent. Um, well, there's there's time to live for, um, for for the messages. It's not something you should use as a database. Oh it's, no, it's of course really not. It's it reliable messaging, like persistent. Oh, it's completely reliable. Uh, that's that's the kind of thing we're pretty good at. Um, but some people had the tendency of using this as a persistent store. No, um, uh, this really is Kafka. It's little, this is like yeah, exactly. Well, Kafka is is is. is is what other people use when they need uh, the ecosystem that comes with Kafka or some yeah. of the um, features that you know, make maybe persistent stuff uh, better than, when, than PubSub is. But otherwise, it's very similar.
0: Very cool. Uh, so the, the data type is string, right? Yes. Okay. So on the other, on the other side, someone will have to consume the message. Mm-hmm. Would it be the function or what?
1: Um, that Yeah, uh, the function is, is a very uh, natural use case because a function is triggered on certain events and, and messages being posted to a queue in PubSub is one of those events. Yeah, and exactly. That... So
0: in my Java e-world, it would be a message-driven bean. But uh, mm-hmm. let's take functions because uh, we didn't cover them now. Could it be also Java class which listen to this? Uh, unfortunately, we
1: don't support Java in functions.
0: Not in functions, but somewhere else? Let's say if I would have uh, App Engine or another Google service, could I subscribe to the queue? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. absolutely. So which
0: service would it be? App Engine?
1: Yeah, that would be App Engine, yeah.
0: And the App Engine, I would the class would be started by App Engine and subscribe to the PubSub queue, or is yep. it queue? Topic, topic, PubSub is I topic. So. Topic, and yep. uh, wake up whenever something arrives, right?
1: That's right, that's right. And, and and App Engine has this nice way of separating different parts of code into what we call services, Um which means you can have different versions, different ways of scaling it, deploying only one version. So but This is almost a Lambda.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we... From we, the architecture we... perspective, it's a different name, but I, I could have a service which wakes up and, and calls App Engine, or I could have a, f- a Lambda... Oh, that's not called Lambda function, you Cloud function. What is this, what's the name?
1: Cloud function, yeah. Cloud
0: function. I could have a cloud function which wakes up and does something else. So let's say the cloud function, you su- which you're supporting right now, JavaScript?
1: JavaScript and Python. Yeah, and let's
0: say JavaScript. Then JavaScript, yeah. um, then JavaScript uh, is activated and processes the, processes the, uh, the message and st- stores, stores it in a, in a queue again. And then we have App Engine, which processes that. And now we would like to talk to a database. Mm-hmm. So as a Java developer, uh, we have another App Engine service, which p- gets the process message by the Google Cloud function. And and now I would like to to write it to a database. What I would use, let's say the 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 coolest probably is Cloud Spanner, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Well, what option do I have? But but uh, come on, we're back to new stuff and new shiny tools that may not may or may not be super useful and boring. Uh, I mean, it's amazing technology, but the chances that you need this to start with uh, are are fairly low. Um, We're talking about distributed. Uh, relational database that scales globally. Yeah, with um, a nice JDBC driver. Uh, yeah, we finally have one. It took it took us a little while. We we announced the technology. We we had a way a number of things you could do with it, but we didn't have the JDBC the read write JDBC driver, which we do now um, as of just a few months ago.
0: So as actually, I could even use a JPA to map it to Cloud. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, but uh, no. Uh, Cloud Spanner could be an overkill for my crowd, let's say. I'm a startup with uh, a guest Mm -hmm. book. And uh, what would be the other option?
1: So the native option for App Engine and for Java used to be, uh, or still is to some extent, Datastore, Mm -hmm. which is a NoSQL solution. Mm -hmm. And the reason uh, that was very popular for a long time and still is in many cases is that uh, it supports versioning very well. Um, One of the features App Engine provides is the ability to version your uh, services and your app, um, and to have multiple versions running at the same time, so you can do canary deployments, you can do AB testing, you could do um, all sorts of really nice, really fun stuff with traffic splitting, um, and and that also would work at the database level. Because uh, wait a second,
0: so uh, now the hard question to you. I don't know whether uh, it's possible at all, but just uh, we talk about that we have the messages in the and the topic, and they are mm-hmm. consumed by a service attached to uh, Cloud uh, to uh, App Engine. Uh, the question now is, um, can you do, canary deployment redeployment as well? So you have two versions who listens to the same PubSub queue. Can I redistribute the traffic between the two versions as well? You know what I mean? So because we don't have a load balance in between, we just have the PubSub uh, topic and then two listeners with different versions.
1: Uh, well, if they both listen to the same topic and they can both consume the same message
0: yeah but uh then we get like the same distribution right so we cannot do we cannot tell and know version two gets more traffic than version 1.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. In, in that case yes you w- you would have to either have different queues or have a different payload that you know yeah yeah
0: means- of course routing right? um so so what you are referring here to the canary deployment is uh if we had the we can do it with the app engine, which is directly accessed from. HTTP, for instance, right? Because That's then you right. have oh, the load oh. balancer. So whatever is behind the load balancer, we can have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it also work for the endpoints? Yes, it does. Oh, very good. So, so what it means is, from the from the from the cloud architecture, whatever is behind a uh, load balancer uh, can have um, uh, different versions deployed at the same time with uh, Blean, green deployment, canary, and uh, yeah, canary means we have like A B testing or stuff like that,
1: right? Well, canary is like you deploy a new version. You're not sure it's going to go well. You have like you route 5% of the traffic there. You look at the logs and you go from 10% to 50% to 100% if all goes well. Yeah. The question Um, is
0: whether the bird in the coal mine survives. This is the canary test. (laughs) Very good. Okay. Now the data store. This interests me. You said this is NoSQL. So mm -hmm. uh, is it a document store? Is this like a hash map? It's a a document
1: store. It's key value pairs. it's, it's, the API is very basic. Um, it supports transa- transactions. Um, and um, obviously as NoSQL, it scales very well, but it has eventual consistency, which can be very troubling for Java developers. Um, and it also doesn't have JPA like RMs, or at least there is one uh, that's developed by the community. Like we don't maintain and it's different for every language. There's one for Java. It's called Objectify. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to JPA or Hibernate. Uh, uh, but, but, with the, but it was built with data store in mind. So no SQL documents and eventual consistency and the transaction notion that, that we have there. Um, um, so there's a little bit of a uh, learning curve for, for this one. Okay, um, but
0: uh, if I interact as a Java developer with that, what are i sending? sending? Do I send uh, strings with encoded JSON objects or I get something like a hash map?
1: Um, so there's a low level data store API, which is really uh, gets and puts of, of strings mm-hmm. or um, bytes, even, I guess. Yeah, or bytes, anything. Uh, and there's the higher level approach, the ORM approach where you manipulate um, objects. And that's the Objectify framework I mentioned, which is super popular. Okay. Um, so that's that's no SQL, but we obviously also have SQL options. So we have this thing called Cloud SQL, which is our way of managing um, either a MySQL or a Postgres. Oh, very instance good. For you. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the two options. Are um, they also clustered? Yes, we offer uh, HA, um, and and we take care of it. So the and kind of standby,
0: something like hot standby, you know it.
1: Uh, so we have different approaches for MySQL and for for Postgres, but both of them have have uh, um, either active active or or standby. Um, yeah,
0: because uh, why I'm asking standby, what we could do then, read to write to one database and read from the other. Now, from scalability, this was the yeah. question. Yeah.
1: Um. So, yeah, and typically this is where you would use any JDBC plus JPA solution that you currently have and, and be able to talk to it. And we take care of the availability of the instance and the integrity of the data. And and, and hopefully the performance is good enough for what, what yeah. you do. Typically you choose an instance size and you can say, uh, like, I need a bigger one and, and swap this to a bigger machine. But eventually you might run into the scalability limitations of, of, of typical SQL databases mm-hmm. um, and and you will have at that point either to start charting your data or move to Cloud Spanner and that's yeah. where typically um, if you want to stay with SQL Spanner is, is great for that
0: Any options we, which we didn't cover so far? Which are uh, yeah,
1: for yeah, there, well there are many other options of databases we, we have too many, we even have a flow chart to help you decide which one you should be using um, if you have a lot of throughput, uh, we have this thing called uh, Bigtable, which is um, HBase essentially, mm-hmm. which is fully managed, something we've been using for the longest time at Google. Um, we have this other thing called BigQuery, which is re- really for analytics. Mm-hmm. So that, the, the typical use case is logs, uh, something that um, you write once, you never touch again. Uh, um, one question then.
0: What I uh-huh. we also could do with our guest book, uh, the guestbook could write to, let's say, the uh, simple data store, and could you then have something like a trigger which uh, then reads the data and writes it to HBase, which is then analyzed by BigQuery, for instance? You know, so like uh, that you can right. connect- so we,
1: Yeah, you, we 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 even have like really simple options that will uh, um, make copies of everything you have in data store into um, like export this to BigQuery directly. You don't even have to go through. Um, the, the big table uh, step. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of export to BigQuery options in almost all the products we have, mm-hmm. because BigQuery is such a powerful. You know, it's like give me data, give me a, a, a query, an SQL query, um, and I'll return a result in reasonable time, no matter what the the, the how much data you have. Like it could be petabytes of data. Uh, we do brute force re- replication of data so that. The result is given to you in a matter of seconds, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to like having like a whole uh, data warehouse to set up. So no cluster, no nothing. It's serverless. It's just serverless data in this case.
0: Cool. So uh, the point is, it wouldn't be actually that different, right? So if we just explode a Java application to Google infrastructure, we will find for every piece or for every component something one-to-one relation. Uh, the biggest job is the the front end, because then I, I have to to play a little bit with JavaScript and then CDI to make it usable, but yeah. then I can just uh, um, use out of the box uh, Google technologies.
1: Right, I think I think it's um, that's what we're trying to do is to make sure you can um, use the the things you have and still if they're na- cloud friendly and I think everything we mentioned is is cloud friendly. Um, the database might have some scaling uh, uh, issues, but we know how to fix them. Um, it might take more work, but all of these technologies are fairly cloud friendly. Um, like if you don't have a lot of dependencies, then, you know, your modules and and the scalability of App Engine will just kick in and and you'll have no problem there. Um, the, the, the details, uh, are important. And and if you have too many dependencies and if you have long startup times, all of this can work, but will not work really well in the cloud. Um. Mm -hmm. So you have to watch out for that.
0: The only task you have, right, is this offer like Java functions, or uh, provide like a subset of Java E and the endpoint, right? If you would get JAX-RS with prepared CDI and let's say JSON-B, it would be mm-hmm. golden because uh, my deployable would be empty. There is nothing to do for me, and I can fully focus on on the on the business logic. And I think what could be nice. To have injectable services, right? So if I already are there, then I could inject, for instance, this data store from Google right. or whatever. And then it would be like almost as, you know, as easy to use as Java E.
1: Well, so typically we have a factory method. Uh, yeah, I know. A story
0: we did, you know, 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, I know, but uh, since we, you run in the Google Cloud, uh, you just say, like, get service, get data store service, and, like, like no parameters, and, and you, you get a reference. Yeah, I to, saw this.
0: So the, 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 the API is nice, but at inject service even nicer, right? Right. Because with, uh, it's easier to test. I don't have to, with the get factory singleton in the unit test, it's a little bit painful. Yeah. If you do at inject, it's nicer. So this is, uh, But this is, uh, I, this is actually almost nothing to do, right? right no this
1: this 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 uh yeah that that would be fairly easy, I agree,
0: so you know what you what you have to do right now right I know, I know so, what the
1: feedback is to the engineering team that's yeah. my work,
0: yeah, um perfect, so um anything we didn't mention from the Google Cloud, which is interesting still for for a java e developer, you know, not like the crazy machine learning stuff we can cover the next time, but more like um what well, we in our request it, flow.
1: Yeah, well, it, it is still kind of relevant to even Java developers because we have Java APIs for all those machine learning APIs. But uh, I think um, from a java E perspective, like you could take the approach of, of serverless, you know, App Engine functions, or because you're in a, in a company that really has invested maybe already in Kubernetes and Docker and all of this, you should be looking at things like Istio, which are looking at bringing... Uh, the services that App Engine provides, such as, you know, the routing, the the, the security between different components, uh, the the A-B testing, all of these things bring that experience to stuff deployed on Kubernetes, um, where, I mean, a lot of Java E runtime and, and workloads run fairly well on, on Kubernetes, whether it's native yeah. Kubernetes or or, or. Yeah, this was now
0: uh, extreme, you know, explosion. What they did refactoring, so we just refactored the application server to into cloud native uh, or Google products. But right, I forgot to ask you this. So you have also managed Kubernetes environment in Google Cloud? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Well, we 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 started Kubernetes. So uh, we invented that. Uh, yeah. Well, what it, it's, it's yeah. true. Yeah. it's a uh, Yeah, I know.
0: But um, so what I could do, actually, I can also ship, you know, Pyara 5 or Glass 3 in a Docker and behind the Kubernetes and you will care over it. This would be actually my pragmatic approach, right?
1: Yeah. So it's funny because I I wrote a a blog piece uh, recently, which was not Pyara in this case, but I was intrigued by the Helidon project that Oracle started. So I'm like, and and it has Docker support. So you could just... um, jumpstart a project with, with Maven and, and generate a Docker file. So I was like, how about I deploy this to Kubernetes Engine, which is our hosted version of Kubernetes. And, and I wrote a small blog post about it. And I didn't even have to write a single line of YAML, and with, which is quite something given you know, how prevalent YAML is in, in Kubernetes and, and this whole cloud-native approach. Um, so yeah, a Kubernetes Engine is something that will take any Docker file, obviously, yeah, and 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 run it and host it for you and make it available.
0: What's the name of the
1: product? It's called uh, Google Container. i uh, sorry, Google Kubernetes Engine. It oh, okay. used to be Container Engine, and it's Kubernetes, so everybody understands what it is.
0: Okay, perfect.
1: And where um, people G- can
0: find you on the internet?
1: Um, Twitter, uh, Alexis MP mm-hmm. uh, is probably the best place and mm-hmm. um, you know i i do write a few things on medium but um i maintain a uh, google cloud this week in google cloud newsletter weekly okay so um, they might find that on uh on medium uh, we have a google cloud publication there
0: and what's with your blog you have bistro blog is still alive
1: uh, not really, okay. not really. I still like the name, so maybe eventually I'll, I'll, I'll uh, revive it one way or another. But I know where, where should I blog nowadays? Like Google Plus is gone. Come on, where 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 should I go? Yeah, uh, Medium is is like where folks hang out nowadays, I guess. And the other option is to like bring back and 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 do as my my colleague and friend Guillaume Laforge, does, is host his blog on App Engine. Yeah, and and. and and you know, block about the architecture. System. So what
0: I would do in your case, you create, you know, a what I actually do in my case as well, I have my block on my server and I do everything by myself just for fun. And you mm-hmm. should show, you know, a, 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 the craziest block installation ever, the most scalable block on with Google Spanner functions just for fun to yeah. use as much, you know, Google technologies as possible to implement a block.
1: Yeah, and, and challenge the community to break it, right? Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> smart community, and so I can show you nice graphs and everything. Yeah,
0: perfect. So, thank you. And right. uh, what I would like to do with you is, at one point in 2019, probably talk, you know, about the other interesting machine learning services, stuff like that, and BigQuery or whatever.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a lot. It's, it's super exciting. Um, it's, it's the place to be. Like, cloud is super fun.
0: Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
1: You bet. Thank you.